Well, good morning. Hello. Uh, maybe we're there. Good morning. <laughs> well, Robin's there. <laughs> um, you know, we, let's stand. Let's rise. We are here to honor our king. It is, it is always the season, but right now, especially the season, just open your hearts, listen to the words, sing with us, and um, just welcome him who gave us everything. Your love is greater, your love is stronger 
John chapter 1, verses 1 through uh, 5 through 11 tells us that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness didn't overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that, be- so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone who is coming in the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that during this time we can celebrate the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, that leads to everything else that's good in life. Father, we're here to celebrate that and to experience that joy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you today. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. We're here to lift up Christ together and glad that you came to do that with us. Please make sure you fill out your connection card. If you're online, we ask that you do the same thing. Before we continue singing, we're going to give you have a three-minute countdown. You go around and say hello to somebody, but please try to see somebody you haven't talked to. Don't feel weird about it. Just introduce yourself. You might make a new friend. So there you go, new friends.
Baptist certainly was not quiet. He's the one that Isaiah wrote about hundreds of years before, saying, a voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Let's also be those who prepare for the Lord. He gave his own 
Psalm 61.2 says, I call to you from the ends of the earth when my heart is without strength. Lead me to a rock that is high above me. Ooh, ooh, I can see the clouds rolling. I can feel the winds they rise. Shake me, I will not be moved. My feet are on the rock. Oh, I can feel the water rise. I can hear the howling lies that haunt me. Fear won't hold me now. My feet are on the rock. Ooh, when I feel my Your hands are Peter on the rock. 
I'm prices of the rock, I stand all over the ground, it's singing sense. Don't stop the beat and clap your hands, I'll beat her on the rock. On crisis of the rock, I stand all over the ground, it's singing sense. Don't stop the beat and clap your hands, I'll beat her on the rock. When I feel my hope about to break, I
I like the uh, the title, Peggy and the Donnas. That sounds like a, like a 50s group, you know? It's pretty cool. But they're much too young to be in a group at that age, but uh, I appreciate that. It's a beautiful song. When I found out that was Mark Lowry wrote that, I, I knew him as a Christian comedian, but I didn't realize he was a singer, too, until I was like, oh, he wrote this. And I said, oh, he was with the Imperials or something. I can't remember what, but really good song. Oh, my. I remember going crazy, waiting for Christmas when I was a child. Until I was about 35 when my wife sat down and had a discussion with me. But anyway, in my hometown, you know, Sierra Vista, I've always said, is laid out like a strip mall. Whoever planned the city didn't really plan it. It just kind of happened. In my hometown in Missouri, in Mexico, um, we had a town square. The courthouse was there. We have a mock of the... Um, uh, a, 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 duplicate of the Statue of Liberty, not near as big, and the winos hang out there, and I always told my math teacher I was going to be a wino when I grew up, but uh, fortunately I didn't have to hit that, but the great thing is on the square, they would move this tiny little house, and I think they have one in Wachuca City, it looks similar to it, Santa's house, oh man, I knew Santa was coming, it was awesome, my excitement, my anticipation, my joy grew each day that I'd walk by that Santa house on the square. I'm thinking, okay, what loot do I want this year? This is going to be great. Um, there was going to come a time when Santa was going to be there. My brother and I would get to go sit on his lap, get to tell him everything we wanted. Uh, Santa gave me hope I was going to get something that I was really wanting bad. Now, I grew up in a dark age. It was an age when kids didn't get every single thing they wanted. And so Christmas was actually a time of hope and joy for me. Some of you young people, you don't believe that. What? There was a time we didn't get it? Yeah, there was a time. Um, but when you're anticipating, when you're anticipating good things, joy overflows. When you're thinking of something coming up that's now, if you're anticipating something bad, of course, it's not. But if you have anticipations of something good happening, man, we get happy. We're going on a trip in May. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. I'm happy just thinking about it. But as I've matured a little bit over the years, my perspective on Christmas has also matured. I used to get joy over the fact I was going to get stuff, stuff that I didn't have. Now, don't get me wrong, I still like stuff, but now my joy comes more from giving. I love to give stuff to folks. And more importantly, my overall joy comes from the fact that, yeah, I did get something, 
because the greatest gift of Christmas was the birth of Jesus, which was later on, he would be crucified, he'd die, he was buried, he rose on the third day. And because of that, I, was, I had the opportunity to receive eternal life, which is the greatest gift ever. And if it wasn't for the birth, we wouldn't have that. Now, going back to Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 1 through 5, which this series kind of, is kind of built on, the nation of Israel, if you remember, was in a bad, was in a bad way. Uh, they were going from captivity to captivity, and they were God's chosen people, but yet they kept ignoring God. And God says, what you're not going to do is disobey me and get away with it. And so he would send them into captivity. But in the midst of these dark times, in the midst of these terrible circumstances, God gave the nation hope. God gave them something to look forward to, to anticipate. Anticipation can breed joy. Joy is something that will transcend your circumstances and your station in life because we know that what's coming is so much greater that even though what we deal with isn't good, even though what we deal with can be devastating, we are not devastated by it because we have a hope. And what we're going to face compared to what we do face is nothing in comparison. Jesus talked a lot about joy and happiness through his teaching. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think, well, God hates me. He can't wait to get, get a hold of me. Jesus was some kind of an emo melancholy dude that just walked around and said stuff, you know, sad face and sad disposition. But as I got to know Jesus, that's not true. And like I said, I've said this before about, uh, about the chosen. I like the way they portray Jesus in it. Joyful. He's got a message that was joyful. In Matthew chapter 5, there's an example of Jesus' joy, and, Matthew, and commentator Matthew Green said this concerning that. He said this, it is, a, it is as if Jesus is saying that life in the kingdom with him is a life of profound joy, a joy that no person and no circumstance, circumstance can take away. And this blessedness is not reserved for some nebulous future. It is now. It is the mark of those who have really surrendered to the king and tasted his grace. Although, of course, there is a future to rejoice in too. So in other words, what he's saying here is he says, yeah, we've got heaven waiting. Man, that's, everything we see about that's going to be awesome. But we have it now too. We should have joy now in life because of who we serve and what he's done for us, as we sang about earlier, and also about the message that he's given us to share. Tidings of comfort and joy. Joy comes to the world through Jesus. God didn't want to just bring comfort to the weary, but he also wanted to bring joy, knowing that we can have eternal life through Jesus. And this is what's important about the birth. The big idea to our message this morning is that Christmas is a season, it's a time of joy during this Christmas season. God wants his people to be joyful in the redemption. And the hard thing, and we'll talk about this in a bit, it's hard sometimes to see joy. But maybe it's because we're not focusing in the right place. So this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We'll start in verses 8 and 9. It says this. Now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. I love that. So what we see here first is a shepherd's encounter with joy. Life as a shepherd was not a good life. 
Because of the nature of their job, they were rejected generally. The religious leaders had a negative connotation. They, they spread negative things about them. They did not want shepherds in the assembly. They did not want them participating in religious ceremonies because of, because of the nature of their job, they were considered unclean. And so they, they, they just had a rough life. As a matter of fact, in the Mishnah, which is a transcription of Jewish oral tradition, which is authoritative for Jewish life, includes some unkind passages concerning shepherds. One of the passages says this. It says that shepherds are incompetent, and if a shepherd falls into a pit, no one should feel obligated to rescue him. I mean, wow. Can, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being that way? Now, we've de dealt with that in our nation for called racism. It's kind of the same thing. We look at a race of people and say, hey, you know what, I wouldn't cross the street to help you. And thankfully, you know, things like that are changing. But imagine being a person that if you were injured, people were teaching, were being taught in your society, just walk by, let them suffer. They're not worth your time. Imagine living a life that way. And these shepherds didn't smell good either. I know uh, a lot of people think sheep are all fluffy and cute. You ever been in a sheep pen? It stinks. It stinks. Now, people have their little show sheep. They shampoo them and brush them and, you know, kiss them and give them all kinds of stuff before they send them off to slaughter. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's what the winning sheep gets. But anyway, uh, the thing is, they smell. And so if you're with them all the time, you're going to smell like them. Now, these guys are going to live life with their sheep. And one day they were going to die with their sheep without much fanfare. Think how many people lived their lives with nothing to look forward to. These shepherds had no hope. They had no, nothing to anticipate. They were just going to be with the sheep. They were going to die with the sheep. They were going to be outcasts from society. And that's how it was going to be. Their life is a life of existence. It's one that doesn't have great anticipation for the present or the future. How do you look at your life? When you wake up each day, do you wake up joyful? When you get my age, you wake up sore, but, but joyful, wondering what God will do through your life today. Or do you just like, why did I even wake up? See, if you're waking up each day thinking, why did I even wake up? You're existing. And if you're a Christian, that's not good. It's not good for anybody who's a Christian. We have so much more. I can understand how somebody without Christ can feel that way. Because think about it. Without Christ, what do you have to look forward to? This life. So you accumulate as much as you can. And guess what happens? You die. And know the person with the most toys who dies doesn't win. You just have more toys to distribute to your family. But if that's what a lot of people's lives are, it's about accumulating things. It's about leaving the biggest carbon footprint you can leave. And then you die. I don't know. I'm not, that just doesn't sound good. But when we're in Christ, we shouldn't have that same outlook on life. Look, there's going to be times of stress. There's going to be times when it's tough. I get that. But how do you get through those times? You get through those times with joy, knowing who you belong to, knowing who you serve, knowing where you're going. And if your anticipation of what's coming is so small, you'll be overwhelmed by today. Today will overwhelm you because you don't see, well, I'm in, I'm in this mire. I'm in this muck, and I can't do anything about it. These shepherds needed some joy. They needed something to bring some anticipation to their lives. During this time in Israel's history, the Roman Empire controlled 
controlled the nation. And for centuries, the nation's idea of a Messiah was somebody who would come and deliver them from that. The nation of, of Israel sought to be rescued, if you will, from the clutches of Rome. And they thought that if that happened, man, we're going to be so happy. If we could just get delivered from Rome. But you know what? God wanted something much bigger for them. See, the nation's anticipation of a Savior was just simply to get them out from the clutches of Rome. Well, then what? Throughout their history, the book of Judges, I love the book of Judges, just cycles. Where sin, servitude, salvation, you know, supplication, salvation, and they just did it over again. Rinse and re-rinse, rinse and re-rinse. You would think once they got delivered out of the hands of the Midians, and all, they're like, man, we got it together now. We messed up. That's not happening again. But it kept happening. Why? Just simply being freed from the clutches of a nation, although it's good. Imagine if China were to take us over today. Why did I mention China? But anyway, that we're able to take us over today. Would you enjoy that? I, for one thing, don't want to learn Chinese. I can't even speak English. Hardly. <laughs> Chinese is hard. But the thing is, that would be horrible. And for this nation, being under the clutches of Rome was horrible. Being under the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and everybody else that God sent them was terrible. But yet, they thought that if they just got released from that, they would be okay. And see, what's happening in our lives many times is we've got an obstacle before us. We think, man, if I just get delivered from this, man, life's going to be so much better. Look, i got news for you. No, it's not. Because you know what's going to happen? The next thing's going to come up. Oh, God, if I can just get delivered from this, man, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be joyful. No, you're not. You know why? Because what you're anticipating is small. What you're anticipating is small. And it won't ultimately bring you deliverance and joy. Because of their circumstances, the nation was short-sighted. They thought joy would come in deliverance from Rome. And see, many of us in our lives, our anticipation of what God can do is small. And so therefore... It doesn't bring anything to us. And sometimes there's none at all. We might be trapped in a bad marriage. Well, God can't do anything about it. And then we, we live in misery. Or something else is going on in our lives. Well, God can't do anything about that. Well, then who's your God? God, I serve is bigger than anything you face. God, I serve is bigger than anything I face. And see, if you don't have that anticipation, there's no joy because you just think you're ruined. Well, God wanted to give people something greater than deliverance from Rome, as good as it would be. He wanted to give them ultimate deliverance, freedom from sin and eternal life. A lot of people think, you know what, I'm free to do whatever I want. No, you're not. You're slave to sin. The only time you have true freedom is when God, through Jesus Christ, when you give your life to Christ and you're, you are forgiven. And as Christians, sometimes we still carry that baggage. We shouldn't. Here's a group of shepherds who were basically outcasts of society. They were no one special. It was an ordinary night in the field, just like every other night, just like the other 360-some nights. But this was different. All of a sudden, this ordinary night became something extraordinary, something they would never forget. <laughs> For heaven's sakes, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Can you imagine? Would you forget that after a few days? I don't think I would. What were running through these men's minds? When this angel showed up, I think, first of all, they, it was astonishment. The sudden appearance of the angel would have left them wondering, why? And in awe, wow. They might have been taken aback by the extra, extraordinary sight and the radiant glory that surrounded them from the heavens. 
Another thing that was running through their mind, and we know this was true, fear and apprehension. I mean, it's natural that the fear gripped the shepherds when this angel appeared to them. The overwhelming presence of a divine being will do that to people, and we see that throughout Scripture. Everybody thinks, well, if an angel of the Lord showed up, yay, look, it's an angel. No, we'd be running. No, no, leave me alone. We're terrified. Verse 9 says they weren't just scared or nervous. They were extremely terrified. I'm sure they had questions and confusion. The shepherds, these were ordinary people. And they were likely puzzled and perplexed as to why the angels came to them because the, the religious leaders said they were basically dirt. They didn't matter. But yet the angels aren't going to the religious leaders. Ha, 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 you know, religious leaders. He came to shepherds. And that had to be confusing. There had to be some hope and anticipation. Amidst their fear and confusion, they would have felt a glimmer of hope thinking, you know what? The world thinks we're garbage, but God doesn't. He sent an angel to talk to us. This event might have had, they would have to wonder, is this something really significant other than with us? And it was. There had to be reverence and surrender when the angel comes. You know, you're not just going to mouth off to the angel. They recognized the divine nature, and they would bow down and worship. They understood they were in the presence of something sacred. There would also be a spiritual awakening. It had to, do, it had to stir something up inside of them. And when you encounter God through Jesus, you should have a spiritual awakening. You've encountered the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. That should change something within you. There had to be curiosity and eagerness. They had to be thinking, wow. They had to have a, they had a strong desire to listen. They weren't just, oh, it's the angels. What do you got to say? I got to get back to my, got to get back to my Xbox. Got to get back to my games on my phone. No, they were attentive. They were listening. They would have been curious at the message. They would be hanging on every word that was coming out. They would have gratitude and wonder. Despite their initial fear, the shepherds might have felt overwhelming gratitude once again because the world said they were garbage. God says that they're not. They would have to marvel at the privilege of being a part of what was about to happen. See, these thoughts would have been, a, been filled with a whirlwind of emotions and reflections as these simple shepherds grappled, grappled with the awe-inspiring account with the, uh, encounter with the angels. I can't imagine what they felt like. See, when we encounter Jesus, most of us have these same emotions, these same thoughts running through our heads. These shepherds had an encounter with joy. Have you encountered joy? Or is your life just boring and ordinary? You know, a lot of times people hop churches, and what they'll say, I've heard this actually from people, well, you know, the Spirit just wasn't there. And I thought, you know, it's kind of strange because every church you go to, the Spirit seems to leave. Not sure why that happens, but anyway... What's happening is, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a, in a bit, is when people are doing that, they're seeking something to give them a jump start, to get them out of a rut, but they're looking in the wrong place. And we'll talk about that momentarily. Let's look at verses 11 and, tw 11 and 12, 10 and 11. It says this. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all people. Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. So, that leads us to the second observation, the reason for joy. The angels looked at these shepherds, probably were, the angels looking, probably laughing inside, what are they scared of? I'm, I'm not going to hurt them. 
But he tells them, first off, don't be afraid. Now, do you realize that I believe many people reject Jesus because they're afraid? Think about it. I know following Jesus is unknown. No matter how miserable one's life is, they know that misery. They wake up every day, they're comfortable with it because they know it. We fear the unknown. When I was going to give my life to Jesus, honestly, for quite a while, I was afraid. For most of us, we seek an encounter with God. When we seek an encounter with God, it's intimidating. It's scary. And the enemy plays on that fear. And I, I said in the first service, you should go see the, the shift. It, they do a great job of playing that up where Satan is just looking at you and talking to you and saying, you know, you, you, God doesn't love you. you. You don't deserve him. He doesn't care. Look what you just did. Look what you were just thinking. Look how you treated that person. Look what you just said. Look what you did a long time ago. And, and, and he's always telling you, you're not worth it. You're not worth it. You're not worth it. God doesn't care. He doesn't care. And Satan plays on that fear. For me, I feared letting God down. I feared failure. I feared change. One of the greatest fears in my life's always been fear of failure. It's a psychological thing. I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose at anything. Um, I've learned, because I don't have the athleticism I used to, some things just the way they are. I've reconciled that. But I did not want to fail God. See, the angels, excuse me, the angel sees the obvious fear in the shepherds. And so before he delivers the message, before he says another word, what's he telling? Hey, it's okay. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, there's a lesson for us there. Many times we're sharing, the, if we try to share the gospel with people, they're going to reject it just out of fear. We need to get them calmed down. We need to tell them, hey, there's nothing to fear here, just hear me out. Let me share what God has done. It's not scary. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Yeah, I know you're afraid of change. I know you're afraid of this and that. So was I. But you know what? Here's how God delivered me. We need to get people not to be fearful of the message. So for the angels, the reason for their joy, was it simply, excuse me, for the shepherds, the reason for their joy, was it simply because they saw an angel? No. No. It was the message. You know, we support Operation Christmas Child here very heavily. And the thing I like about that is if you don't know what they do, you might think, well, their ministry is about giving toys, giving shoeboxes, giving gifts. That's really not. Their purpose is to share the message, to share the gospel. Now, they use the shoebox as the vehicle to do that. And there's a lot of things that we do in a church that the message is what we're delivering. The th other stuff the screens, the band, the preaching, the, every, the, the trappings, all that should be vehicles to deliver the message. See, the angel in verse 10 told them that I'm going to bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. He didn't say, I know you're all joyed because I'm an angel and you're checking me out. Now, you know, it's a privilege, you know, you want, my, you want an autograph here, I'll sign, I'll, sign your, I'll sign your turban or whatever, you know, your turn, sign your cloak. He, he didn't do that. He knew they were in awe. He knew they were just filled with joy. He says, but here's why you should be joyful. The good news is that a Savior, your Savior, Christ the Lord, was going to be born into the world. The Savior was born to redeem mankind, to deliver people from their bondage and their personal hell, and to give them eternal life. See, many people are living personal hells they shouldn't be. When you're in Christ, he unlocks that prison. He unlocks that prison you just got to walk out of it. 
why are you still sitting in the cell? Can you imagine if you went to, Judge Kerfman goes to first service, so he, he's not here, but can you imagine getting sentenced to prison? And then you, you're sentenced there, and then they, and you get in there, and you're there for a while, and they say, you know what, you're free. We're going to unlock you, can leave. And you just sit in that cell. For 30 years, you just sit in that. Well, why don't you leave? Well, uh, and you don't know what I did. We make our own personal hell many times, and we don't have to. Because God, through Jesus Christ, has unlocked that cell. Walk out of it, for heaven's sakes. As a Christian, the message of Jesus should be our joy. When we start talking to other people about Jesus, our focus needs to be on the message of Jesus. It doesn't need to be, hey, come, we got a great band, hear the band. Hey, we got a great screen, check it out. Hey, our associate preacher's really good, come hear him. You know, uh, hey, we got a nice building, and we do a lot of neat things, and, you know, those are part but that's not what we win people to. We win them to Jesus Christ. It's not about the church. It's not about the band. It's not about the preacher. Those are all vehicles that should lead people to Jesus Christ. The angel said the good news that he would bring was Jesus. He didn't say, hey, got some great news. Man, the temple, they just got some new stuff in there. You got to go check it out. It's awesome. Or, you know, the temple's doing a great new program. Man, you really need to go check that out. No, he says it's all, it's all about Jesus. We need to take the message that Jesus came, that he died, and in between that he lived a sinless life, and he died, he was, he was buried, on the third day he was resurrected, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and because of that, we can have eternal life, we can have our sins forgiven, in other words, let out of that personal hell, and we can have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And icing on the cake eternal life eternal life we need to seek to win people to jesus you know in a typical church there's always folks who get get uh, get upset over the silliest things you know people fought over carpet colors you know i personally wanted bright purple but i didn't win so i'm gonna get mad about it um no, and that's what happens, and we get upset about trivial things, and then it, sometimes it blows up, and people leave churches, churches split. I can tell you story after story of stuff I've seen. Why? Why? See, if we focus on the real reason for our joy. In my last church, we used to sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's all I can remember now. I should have it burned into my memory because we did it for every single service. And finally, some people said, Jeff, you know, we, we really like to not do this every week. I said, you know what? I agree with you. I, don't, I won't want to do it either. The first Sunday that we took it out of the service, you know what happened? Everybody stood up and started to sing it, even though it wasn't up on the screen. And then when we quit doing it every single week, I had people come to me, I just didn't feel like I was at church today. Really? You feel like you were at church? You didn't feel like you were worshiping God because a man-made song that we've ruined because we did it so much that you don't feel like you were worshiping in a church today really how shallow is your faith what we sing in the stage i love it all but if rod left out a song i can't i'm gonna go you know i just didn't feel like i was at church today well what's that say about me or man you know You lit the wrong candle this morning. I don't feel like I was at church today. I get confused with these because I'm not Catholic, but anyway, I thought the pink was for love, but apparently it's for joy. So anyway, 
Uh, we get focused on stuff that just doesn't matter. And, but if we got our focus on Jesus and our joys with Jesus, yeah, yeah, we want to get the right candle. We want to get this and that done. I get that. But those aren't points of contention. Those aren't things that divide us. They're just stuff we take care of. Back in Isaiah, I love Isaiah. Man, Isaiah said so much about Jesus. 700 years, it drives liberals nuts because they just don't believe he could have possibly wrote it. So they had to say three guys wrote it. Well, anyway, in Isaiah chapter uh, 51, verses 11 and 12, it says, those whom the Lord has ransomed will return. They will enter Zion with, happy, with a happy shout. Unending joy will crown them happiness and joy will overwhelm them grief and suffering will disappear i i am the one who consoles you why are you afraid of mortal men of mere human beings who are as short-lived as grass 700 years before it happened isaiah said hey guess what folks you ever read the book of revelation what are you reading about heaven no suffering no pain joy isaiah's writing about this in isaiah 51 and it's amazing. Verse 11 says there'll be unending joy. That will be our crown. Happiness and joy will overwhelm us. Grief and suffering will disappear. It's never going to happen in this world, but in the next it will. Let's move to our final thought. It says this. The impact of joy. <laughs> the message that the angels brought it brought great joy to the shepherds. Now, the shepherds could have said, man, that was cool. We just had an encounter with the angels, and they're doing selfies with him and everything on their phones. And, you know, they could have put it out on their Facebook or all this stuff. And, you know, because if it's not on Facebook, it never happened for you younger people, Instagram. But anyway, um, that's how it goes. But they didn't. See, they were impacted in a profound way. It led them to do something. They left their post. Not to say, well, I don't believe this. They're like, this event is so joyful. We're going to check it out. We're going to be a first-hand witness of this. The message of joy should move us to do something. When we've encountered Jesus, when we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can't be the same. We can't. The shepherds were changed. Luke 2.20 talks about after they had seen Jesus. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything was just as they had been told. When we encounter Jesus... We should never be the same. We should never be the same. These shepherds would spread the good news about the Messiah. They came back praising and worshiping God. Joy is a transformative force in our lives. Our faith and our trust in God will grow as our joy grows. We express joy through worship and celebration, and we do it together. And you know, I've never understood how a Christian, how a Christian has to determine, think about, well, am I going to church today? Or they go, ah, you know, on Friday, ah, or Saturday, ah, I don't know if I'm going to go to church. Why don't you want to be with people who love the same thing you love? <laughs> if you have the joy of Jesus in your life, why wouldn't you want to come together with other people who have the same thing? To celebrate Jesus together. You know, I love baseball. I love cardinal baseball specifically. Now, whenever I can go to the ballpark, I'll go there because I like being with the other fans. It's a lot of fun. Fortunately for me, I can go see Cardinal baseball at their home stadium here in Phoenix because, you know, as many Cardinal fans show up as D-back fans. But anyway, um, it's great. But last year was a rough year, and I didn't get a chance to get to the stadium because of timing. But I would, have go, I would go in a heartbeat even in their, their worst season. Man, I kind of felt like how Cub fans feel, losing, you know, it was a losing season. And so I go, 
And it's fun to be with other people that love what you love. It's fun to cheer together, sometimes to boo together. Um, it's all fun. You know, hockey, I've never watched, I used to watch hockey on TV some when I was younger. It bored me to death, to be honest with you. But everybody told me, if you go see one, you'll be hooked. That's why I've never go to, gone to see one, because I don't need it. My wife doesn't want me going to rooting for another sport right now. But uh, even soccer, now I talked to somebody who said, if you go to a soccer match, it's boring no matter what. But, uh, you know, watching some of the crowds, you know, we watched a little bit of World Cup. I was forced into it when I was at my preacher retreat. And I admit, you know, the crowds, man, they were just pumped up because somebody might eventually score a goal. Um, they need to put tackling or something in that. It would make it more fun. You know, you have a big 280-pounder that runs a 4440 coming after one of those little skinny guys. He'll teach him a lesson. But anyway, um, being with others that love what you love is a joy. Why would I not want to come to church? I mean, that's why the Bible says don't forsake the assembling together. We broadcast, and we've been doing it well before COVID. And the reason we were doing it is so when people are sick, they can participate. Uh, we used to have a lot of soldiers come through here since COVID. That's really slowed down a lot. We'd have soldiers in, in, in Korea and Germany, all over the place, that would tune into our broadcast because they like to hear Jerry. So they would, they would do that. But what we never intended for it to happen, and then there's some people that would rarely come to church, but at least they'd get something if they watched us. But what it was never intended to do, it was never intended for you or me to say, you know, I'm just going to watch church in my pajamas all the time because I don't want to get up and I like to have my coffee and stuff when I do this. That's selfish Christianity. If you're sick or something different story, hey, we get it. But week in and week out, sitting in front of the TV, watching church is selfish Christianity. What? Yeah. You know why? Because you can't share your joy with anyone else. And you can't be encouraged by anyone else, nor can you encourage anyone else sitting in front of your TV in your pajamas. Just don't. If that's sort of the case, if we could just have church online, we'd, we'd just shut the doors and do it all online. We had to during COVID for a while. That'll never happen again. But anyway, it, uh, it's, it's sad. Why don't you want to be with others who love the Lord? Good question. The gospel should impact our lives. It should change who we are. It should change how we deal with people. It should change our outlook on life. We should be different. <laughs> you know, when, we were, when I was a kid, nothing could compare to the joy and excitement of Christmas morning. You know, for those, probably everybody, has anybody in here not seen a Christmas story, by the way? Okay, they play it, oh, oh Roy. Oh, TBS, it'll be on 24 hours straight. It's, it's a it, Next to Die Hard, it's the greatest Christmas movie ever. <laughs> but on Christmas morning, man, my dad would tell my brother and I, you guys got to go to bed or Santa Claus isn't coming. We're like, man, that's a dilemma because we couldn't wait to get to, so we'd go to sleep and, and I am not an early riser, but let me tell you, on Christmas morning, 5 a.m., my brother and I were making a beeline for that tree and my mom and dad, I don't know what they were saying, but it was not, probably not very nice. Um, we were beelining for that tree. We could not wait to rip those gifts open because we were so excited. Why can't we have that same type of joy? <laughs> because of the freedom we experience in Christ. Why do we have to be in a sour mood all the time? Why do we have to be distraught all the time? Why do we have to be miserable all the time when we possess eternal life through Jesus Christ? Our application is this. Our application thought probably is more accurate. We will be people of joy knowing we're redeemed. 
So don't let anyone or anything cheat you out of what you have in Jesus because when you do, Satan's winning the battle in your mind. That's all there is to it. That's the only way I can put it. Because God doesn't want you in misery. He doesn't want you in your personal hell. He wants you to be joyful. And you're like, well, yeah, you don't understand. No, no, I don't, but God does. And he's given you something greater. Take advantage of it. This morning, our praise team is going to come and lead us, I should say, in a song of decision. And if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior during this song of decision, we give you that opportunity to do that. Can you imagine having a great gift that somebody gave you and just leave it under the tree? And you're like, you know, I'm struggling to make my mortgage. I'm having a hard time putting food on the table. All these things are happening. I'm struggling with them. But yeah, you got this gift, and in that gift, you got a check for 20 million bucks. How disappointing would that be on your deathbed? Hey, open up that gift. <laughs> and you open up, oh man, God's given you a gift that's that's greater than any amount of money. And if you'd like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to come forward this morning. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we invite you to come forward this morning. And if you're struggling and need prayer, if you want to come up, we'd be glad to pray with you. But this time, let's stand together and sing our song of decision together. If you have a decision, come forward this morning. See on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me, my Jesus set me free. that give me life grace flowing from his side no greater sacrifice what he's done what he's done all the glory and the honor to the Son my sins are forgiven future is heaven and I praise God for what he's done sing for the freedom he has won even death is dead and done his life has overcome speak say the name Now 
time, Johnny and Patsy Sertain come forward as immersed believers and would like to make First Christian their home. And so I'm going to ask Johnny and Patsy, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Absolutely. Amen. And based on your confession of faith, we welcome you to the First Christian family. I'm glad to have you with us.
always a joy to add new people to the First Christian family, and um, God has been good to us this year in that area. During this time of communion, it's a time where we reflect on what he's done, and it's a beautiful song to sing right before it. If you, if you appreciate and you know what he's done, it's going to change your life. It's going to give you a different perspective on life. So many times, I know when I was younger, I was, you know, I, my family was kind of religious, but wasn't really necessarily in a relationship. And when we start to realize what he's done, it changes us. And when we understand what he's done, one of the things it does is it makes this time have significance because we get to celebrate that by the bread and the, and the cup the fact that Jesus shed his blood and took our punishment for our sins. And we get to celebrate the fact that we can have eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And we also celebrate the fact that we're not just doing this for somebody who died, but somebody who rose and defeated death. Who else has done that? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come before this table this morning and to remember the wonderful sacrifice that you made. And we also are to remember the love that it took to do that. And Father, as we take our communion this morning, I pray that we look into our hearts and that we just reflect on what he's done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. On the inside of your bulletin, we have announcements for this week. Uh, Jerry has his groups this evening, Roger's group.
I think is meeting. Yeah, they're meeting. Uh, we have, if you're on the missions ministry team, we're meeting today at four o'clock. We have a lot of things to discuss, so make sure you're here for that. Uh, there's no t adult and teen studies this week. Uh, the food pantries in need of some items. You can see that. Young at heart, they're having their uh, annual gift exchange. I call it the bloodbath because of the stealing that goes on in there. But anyway, if you're a part of that group, please be here at noon tomorrow. Uh, bring a wrapped gift if you want to participate in the gift exchange part of it. Uh, Christmas Eve service taking place on the 24th at 6 p.m. We'd love to have you here for that. It'll be good. Uh, Lori's working on her next Joy of Life Bible study. You can see announcements about that. Also, we have offering envelopes for those that have used them in the past. Your name is on there. If you've not used them and want to start using them, you can take one and take one without a name on it. Look at the number and write it on the sheet. Write your name on the sheet next to the number. And we also ask if you have envelopes left over from last year, you can either throw those away or bring them to the church, and we'll, we'll mark them out and use them in the seats. But uh, please don't use the ones from last year because some of your numbers have changed because we have fewer boxes because more people are giving online. So make sure you do that. Also, we have Core 52 books. We're going to start in January, on January 7th, with our Core 52 program. That'll run all year and into next, the next year a little bit. Uh, take one per family. But if you're in a situation where as adults you can't share a book, go ahead and take a second one. But do not pick them up for other people that don't go to church because we don't have enough. And if somebody needs a book that doesn't come to our church, let me know. I'll give you a link. You can get them on Amazon. But what will happen is we're going to go through that book, chapter 1, all the way through chapter 52. There are 52 uh, core verses that if you'll spend five, uh, 15 minutes a day, five days a week, you're going to learn a lot about Scripture. And it'll be a real blessing. And so what we'll do is I'll preach on chapter 1 on January 7th, and then you'll work through, the, through chapter 1 in your book through the week. And uh, then we'll do chapter two and so on and so forth. The only time we don't do it is during Faith Promise. And then next year, a couple weeks in December, we step out for Christmas program. So make sure you pick up your books. Also, St uh, Stack Eye, I mean, Stacy's back there and she's got her camera. If you want to get your picture taken next to our, um, our backdrop, uh, she'd be glad to do it. And if you give her your email address, she'll send you the pictures. And so she looks like she's got a nice camera there. All right, I think that's all the announcements we have on the back of the bulletin. We want to, uh, we're thankful for all the ministry team leaders we have in church and all the teams that do what they do because one or two people can't do it all. And so we're thankful for the work that you do. Uh, also, we have people we've been praying for that are sick. We've got deployed troops. We're praying for shut-ins. We've been praying for all the outreaches that we support. And we're also praying for TCMI and the work that they do. Also want to lift up a special prayer for, for uh, Seth Baldwin. If you go on Cool Online FM, he was on one of the Fox channels uh, talking about his fun experience with tornadoes. And, uh, you know, some people say, well, why didn't you run real quick? Well, if you lived out in the Midwest, you get tornado warnings all the time, you know. And so it's, but yeah, when you see that bad boy coming, it's time to run or time to get into the ditch. But anyway, uh, we'll be praying for Seth that they get everything restored and all the people that were hit really bad with that same thing. So let's stand up together. I'll close this with a word of prayer, and uh, we will see you all next week. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that we can come together today and, and lift up lift up Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we can live a life filled with joy. I know sometimes that seems impossible, but with you all things are possible, and let us get our focus on you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Yes, yeah, so she's telling me.